I was just glad to see Curry Morris has moves. He's got moves. That's great. Not like his senior pastor, but he's got moves. And why I wasn't in that video, I have no idea. Well, it would have really stolen the limelight from the rest of the team. Don't y'all agree? If I'd have been in there with my moves. All right. We are starting a brand new series today. Guess what the title is? Excellent, students. Excellent. And so the hashtag, if you're going to put something on social media, is hashtag cutting edge. And uh, if you want the notes from this series or any sermon that's preached here, or if you have questions about the bridge, or if you want to get to know more about us and you just kind of got some things you want to ask, use the email address that's right there on the screen, and we will be happy to communicate with you that way. There are many ways to communicate with us here at the bridge, and the email there is just one way. And so um, just so glad to have you, so glad to see you. What a great weekend we had for Easter. 2,200 people came, over 2,200 people. Can we just give it up for all of you who came and brought people with you? And I uh, just want to remind you about a couple things right before we get into the Word today. Prayer journal. Prayer journal. Remember? Remember we talked about that at the beginning of the year? Working on that prayer journal. Uh, I suggested that you do a prayer journal where you actually write by hand inside a composition book. It helps you remember it that way. It really helps you take your time and digest what you're writing. Think about what you're writing. Some of you keep your prayer journal on a computer. That's fine. Just make sure you're working it. Work that journal. So I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand uh, if you've used your prayer journal in the last week. But guys, just a reminder that we are we are focusing more deeply on prayer this year because we believe God has some huge plans for the bridge this year and in the years to come. And the bridge said, so work that prayer journal now. Stay on your knees. This church doesn't belong to Farrell Hardison. This church doesn't belong to you. Can I just tell you guys something just for a big reality check? Another pastor will preach from this pulpit one day. Other people will sit in these chairs one day. And so this church doesn't belong to us. This church is God's church. And so we stay on our face. We stay on our knees before him. We offer up our ideas, our thoughts, and we say to him, God, is that your idea? Because we don't want just good ideas. What kind of ideas do we want here at the bridge? We want God ideas, God ideas. And the way you get those is by staying on your face before God. So work that prayer journal. If you don't have a prayer journal, you're not sure what I'm talking about, go back to the first of this year in the sermon series and, and look at that sermon series. Uh, we talked about prayer. We talked about seeking God's face for the new year, how to do a prayer journal. We went into a lot of detail just a reminder, you've already heard about it from the video. Let me just say it again. We're going to Mount Olive. We're going to be planting a church in Mount Olive. The first service is October 9th. We got a big meeting on April 12th, 7 o'clock at the Goldsboro campus, and it's an interest meeting. Let me just remind you that you can attend this campus or you can attend the Goldsboro campus and still help us out at the Mount Olive campus. Okay? Help us get that launched. Help us get that church started. So you don't have to choose that church for your 
for the campus that you attend, you can still help us uh, even if you attend a different campus. So come on April 12th, 7 o'clock, right at the Goldsboro campus. I almost said right here because I've got that in my notes because I preached this same message to the Goldsboro campus Thursday night. We had a great service Thursday night. You guys know about our Goldsboro campus. You know where Delmas Bridgers Hardware is? We have a church right in there, meets on uh, Thursday nights at 7 o'clock. Literally, we do a Sunday morning service on Thursday night. We had a wonderful service this past weekend. They're having service there at 11 today. And so while uh, we have a Goldsboro campus, we have this campus, and in October we'll have a Mount Olive campus. Who's excited about the Mount Olive campus? Anybody? <laughs> Amen. So today is the One for Change offering. Now last week you saw that we gave the offering to an organization that helps people who are battling with cancer they help families who have a family member who's battling with cancer, but that family is also battling financially. So there's an organization we found out about that helps those families. And so the One for Change offering that we take once a month goes to something outside the bridge. Because it isn't all about the bridge, it's all about Jesus. And it's all about being Jesus. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4 that that early church had favor with the community. And so one of the ways that we want to have favor with the community is by giving to the community and serving in the community. So you guys gave an offering and we gave that to that organization and uh, every penny went there. So today as you're leaving, here's what we're asking you to do. Give $1 on your way out. $1 on your way out. If you don't have a dollar, this man right here will give you a dollar. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. He will give you a dollar. He did not. He, I'm your pastor. You're under my authority. Raise your hand. He will give you a dollar. All right? So, guys, now look. Can I be a daddy? I've been here 25 years. Can I be Papa Preacher today? You know how much our offering was last time? $600. What in the world? I go on vacation and we take up $600? So today on the way out, $1, I'm going to be watching. <laughs> Seriously, guys, just one buck, $1 on the way out. Drop it in the offering as you're exiting. We're going to take that offering. We're going to bless somebody. We're going to be blessing our military. We're going to be blessing our uh, schools. We're going to be blessing a lot of different areas. We're going to be talking to you about them. Now, here's what we do. Here's what we do. On the last Sunday of the month, we show you a video that shows you what we did with your dollar. On the next Sunday, which would be the first Sunday of the month, we take up the offering again for the next thing we want to give to. So don't get confused about that. When you see the video, that means the offering is being taken the next weekend. We're just showing you what we're doing with your dollar, okay? Very, very important. So I'm going to count on you to be faithful um, in your giving as you exit today. All right. So I don't know everything about you, but I, knew, I do know this about you. I know that every one of you sitting here today, including myself standing in the pulpit today, one of my basic needs and one of your basic needs, one of my desires, one of my deepest desires, one of your deepest desires 
is to have a friend, a true friend, a genuine, real friend. So here's what we're going to do in this series. We're going to talk about friends, how to have a friend, how to make a friend, how to be a friend, and then we're going to talk about the qualities of a true friend, because how many of you know the enemy wants to get you connected to the wrong folks? And so we're going to talk about the qualities of a genuine friend, a real friend. And then we're going to talk about the greatest friend of all, and his name is. And that's in this series. That's what we're going to talk about. So as we go through this series, here's what I want you to do. I want you to evaluate your social life. I want you to evaluate. As a matter of fact, really better, I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to evaluate your relationships to evaluate your friendships. I want you to do it prayerfully. I want you to do it scripturally. We're going to look at what the Bible says, what God says about it. And I want you to look at what God says. Then I want you to look at your friendships, your relationships, and I want you to let the Holy Spirit teach you. I want you to let the Holy Spirit guide you, direct you, yes, even convict you if you're hanging with the wrong people. Now, God wants you to hang with, spend time with, have relationships with, unbelievers. It's very, very important. One of the things Jesus was criticized for was hanging out with sinners, hanging out with people who didn't believe. But Jesus hung out with those people not so they could affect him, but he hung out with those people so he could affect them. So if I hope and pray that you have friends, I hope and pray that you have acquaintances, relationships with people who are not believers. What you have to be careful about is that you are leading them toward God and they're not leading you away from God. It's very, very important. Allow the Holy Spirit to warn you about toxic relationships and lead you to what to do, lead you as to what to do about them. Allow the Holy Spirit to help you recognize past toxic relationships that even though they're over, it's still affecting you in a negative way in the present. Allow the Holy Spirit to affirm your good relationships, your healthy relationships, and then find out again what the Bible says and obey the Word of God about that. When I was thinking about friendship and when I was um, studying and preparing and praying about what God would have me say in this series, I found several definitions of friendship. How many of y'all remember Irma Bombeck? Do you remember Irma? Got some old people here today, Amen. Irma Bombeck was hilarious. She was a great writer. She wrote a book titled, The Grass is Always Greener Over the Septic Tank. How many of y'all remember that book? So Irma Bombeck said this. She said, a friend is somebody who doesn't go on a diet when you're fat. Amen. Amen to that. <laughs> somebody else said, a friend is someone who knows about you and loves you just the same. A true friend will go on liking you. I love this one. A true friend will go on liking you no matter how successful either of you become. A friend is one who strengthens you with prayer, blesses you with love, and encourages you with hope. A friend is someone who believes in you when you have ceased to believe in yourself. A friend is somebody who is on the scene when you need them and quietly leaves when they know you need some time alone. A true friend is someone who is there when you call and even sometimes before you call. 
what does God say about genuine friendship? The Bible places a huge importance, a huge value on friends. So what we're going to talk about in this first message is what is the worth? What is the value? What is genuine friendship worth? Let's go to the Bible, book of Proverbs. Who wrote Proverbs? Solomon, very good. And Solomon was what kind of man? Wise man. It was not his wisdom. It was God's wisdom. It was supernatural wisdom. So let's look at Proverbs 17, 17. This is the New American Standard and also the New Living Translation. Let's look at the NASB first. It says, a friend, a true friend, a genuine friend, a real friend, loves at all times, and a brother, friendship, talking about friendship there, is born for the purpose of adversity. New Living Translation, just to bring a little clarification to that. A friend is always loyal. Doesn't mean that a friend always affirms your behavior, but a friend is always loyal no matter what. And a brother is born for the purpose of helping in a time of need. If you have a friend, and I'm not talking about acquaintances now, if you have a friend, a real friend, a genuine friend, you have something extremely valuable. You have something extremely precious. And I want you to view it that way in this message. I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to help you see the value in this sermon series of a true friend. I want to just give a little personal testimony today. I want to admit to you today uh, that uh, I don't have a lot of friends. I want everybody to go, I'm going to say that again. I want everybody to go, aw. Okay, y'all ready? I want to admit to y'all today that I don't have a lot of friends. Thank you. Can I just say this? Pity is always welcomed here. <laughs> you might be thinking, wait a minute, Pastor, you got tons of friends. You got a lot of friends. Here's what I have a lot of I have a lot of acquaintances. I have a lot of acquaintances. And let me just tell you about my acquaintances. I love them. I love my acquaintances. I enjoy my acquaintances. I thank God for my acquaintances. I would not for one moment diminish the value and the importance of my acquaintances. But the truth is, I only have a few real friends. Only a very few. A friend, listen, a friend is a rare thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? A real friend, a genuine friend, let me put it this way, a Bible friend is a rare thing. Now, I used to think, like you probably thought when I said I didn't have many friends, I used to think I had tons of friends. I used to think I had hundreds of friends, thousands of friends. I mean, I would include people I grew up with. i go, yeah, that guy's my friend, the gal's my friend. I included people I went to school with, I included other pastors and other people in the ministry that I fellowship with. I included people I'd, I'd served as their pastor and I'd gone to church with. I included all those people. And I used to think, again, that I had hundreds of friends. But the older I have gotten and hopefully wiser, the more I understand what true friendship really is all about. 
You know, as we go through life, it's kind of like going through an ocean. We're like a ship going through the ocean, and some people hop on board, and then they hop off. And so we're sailing through the sea of life, and, you know, for a little while, we've got people who are close to us, and then for one reason or another, they're, they're not here. And, and um, I've kind of I've put friendship into three categories today, and I want to just share those with you really quick, and I've already talked about one, and that's the casual acquaintance. And look, those relationships are very, very important. If you didn't have casual acquaintances, um, I love my casual acquaintances. I mean, I'd be a lonely man if it wasn't for all the people that are uh, very precious to me, but they're not deep friends. They're casual acquaintances that I love very much. I, I enjoy their company. I enjoy being with them. I enjoy talking to them. I thank God for them. And I would not, again, for a minute, diminish their value. You know, there are people who come into our life. We meet them. And we uh, care about them. We fellowship with them for one reason or another. Uh, but they didn't kind of go out of our life. You know, they hopped on for a while and, and then they hopped off. And those are the, what I call casual acquaintances. How many of you know there are fair weather friends? Uh, a good example of fair weather friends are um, the prodigal son when he got all his daddy's money. And he left home, uh, Luke chapter 15, talks about three lost things, lost corn, a lost sheep, and a lost son. And that son uh, left, and uh, boy, he had a lot of friends as long as he had what? Money. Hey, if you ever win the lottery, which you should never win it because you shouldn't be playing the lottery, but there's two things you ought to do. Pay your tithes. And don't tell your family, all right? All right. Because those family who you think didn't care anything, they're going to love you after that. All right? So, so we got these casual acquaintances. Then we got the fair weather friends. Now, here's the way they are. They sail along and they stay on board. You know, we're using this analogy of you being like a ship. We're going through the ocean. They stay on board as long as the sea is smooth. As long as there are no storms. But when the storms come, they abandon ship. You know, folks like that, don't point. They're what we call fair weather friends. And then there's what I've been talking about since I started, that true friend, that genuine friend, that real friend. When these people get on board, they stay on board. I mean, a true friend sticks. A true friend, the Bible says, is closer than your family, closer than a brother. When the weather is calm, when the weather is stormy, it doesn't matter, they stick with you. When the winds are whipping and the waves are crashing and the lightning is flashing, you don't have to look around to see if they're there, they are there. They are with you and they will not leave you until they know you are safe in the harbor. Now I'm going to show you a verse in the Bible today that you may have never read or may have never realized did you know that the Bible says you ought not to have a lot of friends? The Bible says you ought not to even try to have a lot of friends. Acquaintances, fine. True friends, just can't do it. Look what it says in Proverbs 18, 24. A man of many friends comes to ruin. You're like, whoa, time out. I've never seen that in the Bible. Well, you know what? 
The New American Standard Bible, the reason I use it so much is because when it comes to a literal translation from Old Testament Hebrew into English and New Testament Koine Greek into English, the New American Standard Bible is considered by most scholars to be the best uh, translation from the original language. Now, in the King James Version, you know what this says? It says, if you want friends, you got to make yourself friendly. Well, I really like that, too. I really like that. Matter of fact, I believe that's true. I believe that's right. But when you look at the original language, it really doesn't say that. The original language says a man of many friends comes to ruin. But then he says, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So the Bible draws a distinction between acquaintances, casual acquaintances, you can even have close acquaintances, but they're still not your, your deep, genuine Bible friends. It's not anything bad about them or anything bad about you. It doesn't mean you don't love them. It doesn't mean you don't care about them. The Bible's just making it really clear, listen, that a real friend is a rare thing. It's a rare thing. So if you've been beating yourself up, if you've been really kind of saying, what's wrong with me, you know, I've got a lot of acquaintances, but I don't have a, a few really close friends, then i got to tell you something, man, that's what the Bible says. That, the Bible says that's what's best for you. Now let's talk about why the Bible says that. The Bible says that you will come to ruin if you have too many friends or try to have. You really can't, but you try to have too many real close, genuine friends. The Bible says the reason that is not a good thing is because, listen, friends, true friends, genuine friends, are costly. They're costly. Now, I mean that in a very positive way. Here's what I mean by that. True friend, when you have a true friend, it requires a lot of your time. When you have a genuine friend, it requires a lot of your effort. A real friend is someone in whom you're going to invest a lot of energy you're going to invest a lot of prayers, and you're going to invest a lot of emotion. Now, I just want to say to some of you who feel like that you have to be best friends with everybody you meet, or it means you're mean, or you're insensitive, or you really don't care about some people the way you care about other people, I'm telling you today that the Bible says that's healthy. That's the way it's supposed to be. A lot of people walk around in their life feeling guilty, feeling like a loser, feeling like a failure because there are people that they wish they could really invest all the time and energy in that they invest in their other really close friends. Listen, listen, you can't do it. That's what the Bible's teaching here. The Bible's teaching you should not even try to have many friends because it will cause you to have, let me give you the Farrell Hardison version of that word right there, nervous breakdown. When you try to be everybody's best friend, genuine, genuine friends create a demand on your social life. They create a demand sometimes on your financial life. Sometimes on your emotional life or your spiritual life. So you can't afford the luxury of many true friends because you just can't maintain them. Does this make sense? I'm telling you, it's just good sense. It's good reasoning. It's good logic. You know, the Bible, I don't know. Y'all write this down. Are y'all taking notes? Write this down. The Bible has some really good stuff in it. Write that down. 
Write that down in your notes. Those of you who have had nervous breakdowns, write this down. Had I done what the Bible said, I might not have had a nervous breakdown. Don't raise your hand. We already know. Okay, so now, now when I say that, you might be going, I've never heard. This is, I've, you know who's our example on this? Jesus. Jesus is our example on this. Jesus, when he was here on earth, had a lot of people he ran into, but he was only close to a few. He was close to 12. And out of that 12, he was especially close to three. Do you remember their names? Paul, Ringo. You remember their names, don't you? What were the disciples Jesus was close to? Peter, James, and John. You remember one time when Jesus was going to pray, he told the 12. He, he was with a crowd. He left the crowd, took his 12. He said, you stay here, nine of you, Peter, James, and John, you come with me. He went a little further. He told them to stay there, and then he went to be alone in prayer. We just preached on that not long ago. Matter of fact, that's the story we used in our sermon on prayer at the beginning of the year when we talked about the prayer journal. And, uh, and then there was one of the three that Jesus called my beloved. So he had 12, then he had three, and out of the three he had one named John. And he was, Jesus called John, Jesus referred to John, the Bible refers to John as Jesus' beloved. So you know what? Jesus had a best friend. Jesus had a best friend. I remember when I was uh, going to Bible college and preparing for the ministry, I remember them coming to me and going, hey, listen, listen, listen. All you guys are going to be pastors. You cannot have any close friends. And I was like, man, this is going to be awesome being a pastor. I can't have any close friends. That's great. You can't have any close friends. You can't have people in the church that maybe you connect with a little more deeply than you do others. Can I tell you Jesus did? Jesus loved to go to one particular home. Do you remember whose home it was? Mary and Martha and Lazarus. I'm telling you, man. And look, this is Pharaoh Hardison, chapter 8, verse 6. But I believe that when Jesus got to their house, I believe he would just lean back on the sofa and he would throw his sandals in the floor and he would go, I am so exhausted and Peter is driving me nuts. Can I just lay back? Can I unload here? Y'all have friends like that? You have friends where when you go to their house, it doesn't matter if it's straightened up or not. It doesn't matter if it's clean or not. As a matter of fact, you like it when it's really not that clean because then it's more like your house, isn't it? I love going to people's house where I don't have to worry about, you know, man, if I want to take my shoes off, I can take my shoes off. If I want to put my feet up on the coffee table, I can. I love going where I can be myself. Who's with me out there? You love that? Yeah, man. We love that. <laughs> That's a first. I've been here 25 years. That's a first. I tell you, the anointing of God is all over this house. (laughs) 
Who wants to get baptized, but they would rather be sprinkled? Come right here. <laughs> Jesus could knock like a drink over. He didn't care. He knew it was going to be fine. He could have his water bottle sitting right there on the coffee table and be explaining something to them and just knock it right over. And he knew Mary and Martha and Lazarus would be fine with that. That was an illustration that was planned. <laughs> and so, so I love those kind of homes. I love those kinds of places. I love to go where, where I can just be myself. And Jesus had that. So, so, you know, we go back to the scripture, guys, that says you ought not to have many friends. And then we're like, whoa, that doesn't sound like God. And then we look at the life of Jesus, and he obeys that passage. He obeys that passage. Now, look, you don't have to walk out of here now and go, I ain't got to be your friend no more. I ain't got to be nice to you. Anymore. No, that's not it. Pastor told me I have five friends. You're not one of them. See ya. Now you're acting like the devil. Let's get some balance in our life. Amen? So we're friendly. We're loving. We're courteous. We're kind. Uh, we'll visit. We'll pray for. We'll hug people who are not our deep, deep friends. But Jesus is our example here that there are only so many friends you can maintain because you, and look, he was Jesus. He was Jesus. He could do everything. He had power to do all things, but he wanted to be our example. And he said, I can only have a certain amount of friends, close friends, real friends. So I want to set you free on that. Now, some of you are probably thinking, and i got to tell you, I've heard this actually from some people. Pastor, you can preach on all this friendship stuff you want to, and you can get up there and say all this stuff, but i got to tell you, Pastor, I have no friends. I have no real friends who really care about me. i got to tell you something, Pastor. My so-called friends, you know what? They end up taking advantage of me. They end up trying to, trying to get something from me. I, I, I think their motive is good. I think it's pure. I think it's right. And, and then I find out it's not. So, Pastor, I mean, you can preach on this all you want to. You can talk about us having a few friends. i got to tell you something, Pastor. I wish I had a few friends. I have none. I have no friends. I've tried to have friends, but i got to tell you, I feel like nobody wants to be my friend. And you know what I believe? I believe there are people sitting here right now thinking that. And we're going to talk to you in this series. We're going to cover it. And I'm going to say something to, to those of you right now who are feeling that way. But I want to tell you, as we go through this series, we're going to get deeper and deeper and deeper into that. And we're going to talk about why you might not have any friends. But let me just say this. Here's a couple of reasons you might not have friends or might feel like you don't. You're trying to be friends with the wrong people. You're trying to impress the wrong people. You're, you're looking at somebody who, is, who you admire or somebody who is maybe really popular or somebody that you thought, boy, if they were my friend, then I'd really feel valuable. And you're trying to be their friend, and they're not interested in having that kind of relationship with you. And so you're trying to have friends with the wrong people. You're trying to make those deep friendships with the wrong people. Think about that. Pray about that. Another reason is, can I be blunt? Maybe you're not right with God, so you're hanging out with the wrong folks. You're not where you ought to be with God, so you're, you're 
attracted to the wrong kind of people who just don't even have the capacity to be the kind of friend you need. So those are just a couple things, and we'll talk about this more in the series. Let me close with this scripture. Go in your Bible to Matthew chapter 22, verses 37, I'm sorry, verses yeah, 37 through 40. This is a very familiar passage. You already know it. Uh, you've already heard me talk about it and preach on it many times. Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God. Now, let me just set this up. So there's this guy asking Jesus questions, and he thinks he's going to get Jesus. Uh, he's, he's like some of, the, um, some of the news media and the way they question um, the way they question um, the, the people who are running for president now. They ask the question in such a way that they think there's no way you can answer this without getting in trouble. You know, you ask the question like, how long have you been beating your wife? Not that long. Yeah, I mean, so Matthew 22, 37 through 40, Jesus replied to the question, so, so what's the greatest commandment? That's the question the guy's asking. You got a bunch of commandments there, Jesus. What's the best? What's the biggest? What's the greatest? Now, you would have thought Jesus would have said, well, there's not one better than another or greater than another. They're all the same. But Jesus didn't say they were all the same. He said there's two commandments that are above all the rest. He said, number one, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. He said the second commandment, look at verse 38, this is the first and greatest commandment, the one he just gave you on the screen before. Then he says, a second is equally important to the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now look what he says. Look what he says. All the other commandments and all the demands of the Old Testament prophets are based on these two. You know, the cross has two beams. One beam runs this way. It represents our relationship with God. The other beam runs this way. It represents our relationship with others. The cross is a picture of this passage. The greatest commandment is you love the Lord your God with all your heart, everything that's in you. And out of that love for him will come a love that enables you to love your neighbor as yourself. And then, all, you know what God says? Listen, guys, this is huge. This is huge. God says, if you get these two right, you'll get the other ones right. If you'll get these two commandments right, if you'll love the Lord your God with all your heart, everything that's in you, and love your neighbors yourself, you'll get all the other commandments. They'll just line up. We're all out of whack, some of us who are Christians. And you know why we're out of whack? You know why we're out of alignment? Because we don't have the priority as God's priority. We think we can hate and unforgive, and we think we can hold grudges, and we think we can be jealous, and we think we can have all these terrible, negative, ungodly emotions toward people, but the rest of our life's fine. No, you got to love God with everything that's in you and love your neighbors yourself. And when you get that right, everything that's out of alignment in your life goes and just lines up. That's powerful. So this whole friendship thing is really, really important. So in this first message, we've established that genuine friends are valuable. 
why they're valuable. Genuine friends are worth the investment, and there is an investment. When you decide this person is a deep friend of mine, and I feel like God's calling me to have this person as a really genuine friend, then get ready because there's an investment in that you got to make. There are no bargain relationships. Friends are rare. True friends are rare, and you're not going to have many. Now, what are we going to talk about next week? And this is really important, and then we're going to close with prayer. Next week, we're going to talk about what does a true friend look like? What are the characteristics of a real friend? What are, what are the qualities, the signs that a person is a real friend? We're going to dig deep into that, and we're going to cover something. We're going to, we're going to cover in this series some really toxic relationships. Because one of the things that I observe as a pastor is I see people who want spiritual victory, but they want toxic relationships with people. You can't do it. There is a, there is a, a relationship that is based on emotional dependency. And we're going to talk about that in this series because I see it all the time. As a matter of fact, I see it quite a bit in the church. This is a person who says, I want to be your friend, but I want to control you, and I want to control all your other friendships. And some of you think that because you're a Christian that you have to be in these relationships because if you refuse to be in them, then you're not being Christian. I'm going to tear that apart when I preach on that because there is nothing that will put you in more bondage than being in an emotionally dependent relationship with a person. And Christians are so bad for getting into those kind of relationships because we want to be loving, we want to be helpful. And uh, to be honest with you, the reason we get in those relationships is because we don't know what the Bible says. We think the Bible doesn't give us permission to look at that person and go, I'll be your friend, but I'm not going to be that kind of friend. So we're going to get real up in the house in this series. Okay? I want you to stand with me. Everybody stand. Here's what we're going to do today. Those of you who want to be sprinkled, come up real close. <laughs> we're going to just ask everybody, can we close in prayer around the altar today? Will y'all just come on? Let's just close in prayer around the altar. I want you to just, as you're coming up here and as you're thinking and as you're praying, I want you to think about your relationships you currently have. I want you to think about some relationships you've been concerned about, but you didn't really know what to do about them. Some relationships that maybe you felt like you're being controlled or somebody's attempting to control you or a person has said this to you when you tried to pull away. I thought you were a Christian. We're going to fix all that. And to fix that, we don't have to go to some kind of psychological study or bring in some um, person who's a professional counselor. And I love Christian professional counselors. I love them, use them, appreciate them. All we got to do is find out what God says. Because God doesn't want you in a relationship that keeps you bound so you can't love him and serve him the way you're supposed to. And the church said, matter of fact, I'm going to tell you the truth. I know some churches that practice that emotionally dependent thing and try to control people with rules and regulations and legalisms that aren't in the Bible. I'll make you a vow. As long as I'm your pastor, I'll never ever try to control you because you know what? You're not my sheep. 
You're his sheep. I'm an under-shepherd. You know what my job is? Declare the truth. Declare the truth. And then you take it and you go to God with it. Because I'm not your God. I'm not your Savior. I had a lady who's just started coming to our church that has a Catholic background. She called me Father. Father Hardison. Father Pharaoh. I was like, thank you, daddy girl. And uh, so, so I just want to tell you, man, you don't have to talk to me to get to God. God is, you have total access to God. There's nothing between you and God. Nothing. And you just take the truth and you go to Him. Anytime you feel controlled, anytime you feel bound up and controlled, something's messed up. Something's messed up in that relationship. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for these wonderful people who have come to the house of God. They've come to church today to hear your word, to worship you, to meet their friends and their family, to have a relationship with you, first of all, and then to love their neighbor as their self. And God, I'm so glad they're here. But you know what, God? I feel your presence in this house. You are here today with us, Lord. If there's somebody here who doesn't know you, if there's somebody in this service who doesn't have a personal relationship with you, here's what I hope they'll do. I hope they'll just say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. You died on the cross for me. You rose from the dead for me. I've been running from you. I've been making a lot of excuses, but you know what? It's time for me to stop running. I need you, Jesus. And on this beautiful spring day, I give you my life. I surrender my life to you. I mean, I've got a knowledge of you. I know some things about the Bible. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the dead. But Lord, you know what? I've never given you my life. And on this beautiful day, as we go into this season of spring and summer, I want my life to be different. I want a new life. I've been doing it my way, and the more I try to do it my way, the more complicated, the more frustrating, the more uh, bound up I feel, God, I, I'm going to give it to you today. Lord, come into my life. Come into my heart. Take up residence in me. Live in me, Lord. I don't want to just know about you. I want to know of you. I want to partake of you. I'm an orphan. Adopt me today. Adopt me into your family. Father, we thank you for those who've prayed that prayer today. And we also thank you for those who have, while the word of God has been being preached, they have been saying, wow, thank you, God, for that. Thank you for that revelation. Thank you for that truth. Thank you for that reminder. God, help us to grow up, to become fully devoted followers. I'm still growing. Lord, I'm the, I'm the pastor of the church, and I'm still growing in my walk with you. And sometimes I take two, step back, two steps back and one step forward. I struggle just like everybody else does. I have my temptations just like everybody else does. I'm not perfect. I fail. I mess up. Lord, my eyes are on you. I need you, Lord. And when I stumble and when I fall and when I drift and when I fade away from you, will you please call me back?
call me back, Lord. Send someone to speak to me because I want to be near to you. That's where the blessings are. That's where the protection is. That's where the covering is. To your name, Lord, be all glory and honor and praise forever and ever. And the people said, amen. amen. If you're a first-time guest, amen. We got a gift for you on the way out.